just going to read God's word and then pray before Stuart comes to open it up to us. And just so we prepare our hearts and uh, yeah, that we can receive God's spirit speaking to us this morning. Um, if you want to read along in the, in the Pew Bibles or on the screen, the verse today, the, the passage is from Psalm 119, verses 17 to 24. Be good to your servant while I live, that I may obey, obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant, who are accursed, those who stray from your commands. Remove me from scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. The Lord bless the reading of his word. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn, keep it open. Um, If it's there, Psalm 119, these verses, verses 17 to 24. God, when you think of God, when you think about God, how big is he in your mind? How big is the God that, that you worship, the God that you serve, the God that you're here to seek? How big is he? How big is God in, in your heart and in your mind? You know, it's really possible, and you'll know this, it's very possible for us to live with a small understanding of who God is or even to live with what we could call a shrunken God. A God who's small, a God who kind of fits into the boxes and places we want to put him at times. John Ortberg um, once wrote this. He said, if I wake up in the morning and go through the day with a shrunken God, there are consequences. He says, I will live in a constant state of fear and anxiety because everything depends on me and my mood will be governed by whatever circumstances hit me that day. He says, when human beings shrink God, they pray without faith. They worship without awe. They serve without joy. They suffer without hope. And the result is a life of stagnation and fear, a loss of vision, an inability to persevere and see it through. It's against this backdrop, he says, that the writers of Scripture never tiring of telling us that we do not live with a little tribal God Whatever we need, God is bigger. Whatever our weakness, God is stronger. I hope we believe that. And as we come to Psalm 119, um, in many ways, stanza three, represented by the Hebrew letter Gimel, speaks of that very thing. This stanza opens up this portion of Psalm 119, opens up with a big, big, bold ask of God. And the psalmist says this in verse 17. He says, Be good to your servant while I live, that I may obey your word. Be good to your servant. Be good to me while I live, that I may obey your word. See, that also translates deal bountifully with me or deal abundantly with me. God, be abundant towards me. Be bountiful towards me. Pour out plenty upon me. It's a really, really big ask of God. 
Do you know it's okay to ask big things of God? It's okay to do that. Sometimes in our little Northern Irish minds, we don't do that. We, we think we can't ask big things of God. We go really little, we go really low in our ask of him and, and yet we can approach God and we can ask big things of him. And in this portion of the psalm, the psalmist opens up with this really big ask of God. Deal bountifully with me, God. Pour out your abundance upon me. I think the key here is that the psalmist knows his place before God. If you look at it, he asks that God would be good to him or would deal bountifully with your servant. He knows that he lives to serve God. His perspective is right. As he comes before God, he knows that he lives and breathes and has his existence to serve God. And that's ultimately why any of us are here. We're here to serve God. We live and we breathe and we have our existence to serve him. He is bigger than we could ever be. He is the source of abundance. He's the one who bountifully can supply for every need. The psalmist knows that he lives to serve God. But the second thing, and I think the second big key for for the psalmist asking big of God is the, the why behind his ask. He's asking God to deal bountifully with him or to give him, to be good to him, not so that he can be comfortable in life or have plenty in life, but so that God's word might be lived and obeyed and kept in his life. He wants to live for God. He lives to serve God. He wants to live out God's ways, God's word. He wants to live in obedience to him. He wants to serve the Lord with everything that he can. And so the psalmist asks big of God right at the beginning of this stanza. He knows that God is infinitely abundant, bigger than he could ever imagine. And I want to just unpack. I see four things at least in this. Here they are, four things at least. He understands that his eyes need to be opened as he comes before his big God. He knows that his eyes need to be opened. He realizes as well in this moment that he's a stranger on earth, that he doesn't belong here. He experiences the trials of life, makes that really clear in this moment, and then he longs and he delights for God's word. He longs and delights for God's word. So firstly, he understands that his eyes need to be opened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. We all need our eyes opened. In the first instance, in order to become a follower of Jesus, in order to become a Christian, we need the the eyes of our hearts opened. We need to see with our spiritual eyes. When Saul encountered Jesus, remember that moment on the road to Damascus, we read that he encounters Jesus. And in that moment, his eyes were opened. It was as if scales fell from Saul's eyes. It's an image that captures what must happen to anyone who comes to faith in Jesus. We need to have our eyes opened, our spiritual eyes opened. I wonder, in your life, are you praying for someone, someone that you want to see come to faith in Jesus? Maybe it's a loved one, someone that you long to see come to put their trust in Jesus. And yet, you struggle to see that happening. You're like, when's it going to happen, Lord? Well, the prayer that we ought to pray is, Lord, open their eyes. Open the eyes of their heart. 
So if you're praying for someone, that's the prayer, to pray, God, open the eyes of their heart because unless you open the eyes of their heart, they will not be able to see you. They will not be able to see the beauty of knowing you. And if you're here this morning and you're in our gathering or listening online and and you're not a believer yet, I'm praying that your eyes will be opened, that the Lord will open the eyes of your heart and that it might even happen right now. Right now as I'm speaking, right now as you hear God speak to you through his word, that the eyes of your heart would be opened. It's not just in relation to salvation that our eyes need to be opened. We know that our eyes need to be opened every day so that we can behold the wonders of God's word, the treasure that's within these pages. We need the eyes of our hearts opened every single day so that we can can look and see the wonder and the beauty of God's word, everything that's in here for us for our good, for our flourishing. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see the wonderful things in your word. That's what the psalmist prays for. I want to see the wonderful things in here. I want you to open my eyes. Let me see, God. I want to see the beauty that's in here. If you think about it, God has given us this incredible ability to experience a sense of wonder. What is it that gives you a sense of wonder? For me, it's like, you know, any coastline in the world, as the sun sets on the horizon, well, probably any coastline except Larne. That's maybe one place that this might not happen. (laughs) Sorry if you're from Larne. The stench would just put put me off, but any coastline in the world, standing and watching the sun set on the horizon, You know, those kind of burnt orange colors as the sun goes down, it's beautiful. And in that moment, my heart is always filled with a sense of awe, wonder. I can think back to moments in the south of France or in the north coast of Ireland where the sun is set and it's like, that is so beautiful. My heart is captivated by the wonder of what I can see. God has gifted us as human beings with the ability to sense wonder with the ability to feel deep within us that there are wonderful things in this life to behold and to feel, the ability to sense beautiful wonder. But God fully expects us as his people to sense wonder when we open up his word, that there would be things that we read that captivate our hearts, that make us go, wow, that is so wonderful. That is so beautiful, God. I wonder when was the last time that we had that experience? When was the last time that you opened up God's word, read something, and you just wept with joy and thankfulness? That's so wonderful, God. Your word is so good. Your word reveals to me things about myself that make me feel so loved despite the flaws that I know I carry. Your word is so wonderful, God. Or I wonder when the last time was that we opened up God's word and we just laughed with wonder. So beautiful, so full of joy um, that we just smiled and, and felt that deep sense of wonder. On Tuesday with the Spark team, I spoke to the young people about Colossians chapter one. And it's one of those moments in the Bible. It's like an Everest moment when Paul takes us to the mountaintop and he lets us see the supremacy of Jesus. And it's one of those moments, every time I read that, my heart is lost in wonder. My heart is captivated by what I read about Jesus, who he is, what he has done for us, that in him and through him and for him are all things. You see, our prayer should be, open the eyes of my heart, God, 
that I would see the wonderful things that you have for me. So the psalmist prays for that. Open the eyes of my heart. Secondly, he realizes that he's a stranger here on earth. He says in verse 19, I'm a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. He understands that this earth is not his home. He understands that he's a pilgrim, that in this life he's just journeying through, that he's listening to the voice of God, he's following his father and he's journeying through this life, that this life is not his home. He does not belong here. None of us do. If you're a follower of Jesus, this earth is not our home. We're pilgrims here. We are pilgrim disciples journeying towards our eternal destination in the city of God where no more pain will be sensed, where it will be all over and we'll be in the glory of God forever. One commentator says something absolutely beautiful about this moment. He says this about the psalmist. The psalmist recognizes that the earth is not his home and he needs communication with his true homeland. Let me just read that again. The psalmist recognizes that this earth is not his home and he needs communication with his true homeland. Just think about that. When we open up the word of God, we experience communication from our true homeland. Our heavenly father who we will dwell with forever speaks to us. We experience communication from heaven. The Lord speaks to us and there's a sense of homeliness about what we hear. I wonder if you've ever been on a long trip overseas somewhere and you long to speak with your loved ones back at home. Now you young people in the room, I know that you know this well. You go on a school trip um, or you go away to BB camp you're having the best time ever with your friends. You just can't wait to speak to your mum and dad at home. Isn't that right? You go on a trip, sports trip, football trip, hockey trip, whatever it might be. You're having the time of your life with your friends. And you just can't wait to speak to your mum and dad at home. I know that's not really true for you guys. But it's true for me. When I'm separated from my family... If I'm away for any length of time, um, I love to hear from home. I love to phone home. I'm not great in the phone, by the way. I don't do very long phone calls. I'm much better face-to-face if you want me. Um, but I love to hear from home. I love to hear the familiarity of those that I love the most. In the same way, but of great, in a way of much greater significance, the psalmist longs to hear from home. We sense that in these verses. He wants to hear communication from heaven. He wants to hear from God, from his eternal home. And he says, don't hide your commands from me, your word from me here on earth. God, I long to hear your voice. Speak to me, Lord. This life is hard. It's hard being a stranger here. Speak to me, God. See, that's what happens when we open up God's word. God speaks to us. He fills our hearts with this unusual sense of familiarity. It's like, I love this voice. I love these words. These words are for me. I love to hear from my Father in heaven. It's communication from home to us as strangers here on earth. Words of comfort amidst the chaos. You know how that feels? You open up God's word and God speaks comfort into your chaos. You open up God's word and it's words of reassurance. 
when everything else around you seems to be falling apart? Or you open up God's word, words of hope amidst the hopelessness of the situation that you find yourself in. We hear from home and God speaks. Oh, how we long to hear the voice of God from heaven. The psalmist knows he's a stranger here on earth. He longs to hear his father's voice. And as he opens up God's word, God speaks. He experiences the trials of life. This is something that we hear in this moment in the psalm. The psalmist, he's going through difficulties. It's what I love about the Bible. The Bible never shies away from the difficulties of life. The Bible is raw and gritty and honest about how difficult life can be. And if you're here this morning and life is really tough for you, you're in good company. The psalmist makes clear the difficulties that he's going through, the trials that he finds himself in in life. He's experiencing great trouble. It's why I've called this message God's Word in Life's Trials. The psalmist has suffered at the hands of other people. He's experienced arrogant people in his life who reject God and God's ways. And it has clearly caused him some distress. You can sense that in these verses. As he attempts to keep God, as he attempts to live in obedience to him, he experiences what he calls scorn and contempt from other people. Hatred from other people. He's been slandered by people in higher positions. I wonder, does that ever happen to you in your life? Scorn, contempt, feels like hatred from other people. Maybe you find yourself being slandered because of your faith and your stand and your stance in God and in Christ and in the Word of God. Make no mistake, the Bible is really honest. The psalmist here is being really honest about, about human strife. He's not sitting there penning these words in some kind of four-poster bed eating grapes, drinking the finest wine from the region. Far from it. He's getting life really tough. Life is really, really tough from him. I wonder, does that warm your heart to the poet? He understands the pain that we all go through. He understands and gets the trials of life. And he pens these words into that. Maybe you're going through trials. Maybe life is really hard for you. Maybe you relate to something that I've just said. Maybe at times at the moment in your life, things are closing in upon you and around you. Difficulty is at every turn. Illness. Maybe trouble with family. Bereavement that you've experienced recently. Maybe for you young people, school exams have been a source of real discouragement in recent days. Maybe you're dealing with stress or anxiety. There are struggles that nobody knows about. Life is really tough. You're facing trials. Trials at every turn. What's the proper response? What do we see in this moment? What does the psalmist call us to? Well, the psalmist doesn't shelve God's word. He doesn't like put it away and say, I don't want, God, you've nothing to say to me. I, I don't want to hear from you. You're no help. Your word doesn't do anything for me through these trials that I'm going through. He doesn't do that. Not at all. In fact, what we see here, despite the trials he faces, he still longs for and delights in God's word. He says, my soul, verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. My soul is consumed, God. Another translation of that would be my heart breaks, God, with a longing for your word, for your ways, for your presence. My heart, God, breaks. 
And when the psalmist says that, it's a kind of, it's an excessive longing that he feels for God and his word and his ways. It's that kind of hungering and thirsting after righteousness that we often talk about here in this church. It's a longing so deep, so consuming that it can, it can break our hearts because we don't quite get there, if you know what I mean. We long for it. We long to be with God, but we, we somehow always feel like, like it's difficult to get to that place of deep longing. Just because we're human. It's, we're human. We long for more of God, but we struggle to get there. We, we struggle to get into that place of deep devotion and intimacy with him. We really struggle because we're human. It's that sense of heartbreak. God, I long for you. I want to know you more. I, I want to be deeper in your word. I want to know your presence. I want to know your power. I want to know that sense of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm just struggling because I'm human. I'm a human being who struggles here on earth. That's what the psalmist is saying. I, God, I long for your ways. I'm consumed with longing. My heart's breaking for it, God. I really, really want that. Charles Spurgeon, of course, he put it better than I ever could. Spurgeon said this about that moment. He said, longing lingers not within a lifeless corpse. Where the heart is breaking with desire, there is life. This may comfort some of you. You've not attained as yet to the holiness you admire, but you long for it. Ah, he says, then you're a living soul. The life of God is in you. Come on, church. Do we long do we long for more of God's presence, his word? We acknowledge, God, I'm human. I'm human. I know how flawed I am. I know how much I struggle. I know my limitations. But the call today is to long for more of God. Even if we don't quite feel like we're attaining that, that there would be a longing that breaks our hearts. God, I long for you. That means we're alive. We're alive in the spirit. If there's a longing in our hearts, if you sense that right now, if you sense that longing, you're alive. Welcome to life. Welcome to life in Christ, life in all of its fullness. Your longing is good. Your longing means that his life is flowing through your mind and your body and your soul. And so in closing, um, Psalm 119, these words in this portion reveal to us the reality of life with all of its trials. And yet at the heart of it all, there's this deep longing for the God who is bigger than it all. The God who we can ask big of. The God who wants to bountifully bless us when we seek him with all of our hearts. The response of the psalmist is to delight in the Lord to delight in the Lord, to delight in his word. No matter what life might bring, we delight in the Lord. Our only response to the worries of life is to worship the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy. There is delight in his ways. There is delight in his presence. We worship the Lord. Whatever it might be, we go back to the source, the source of all blessing, our bountiful God, the one who is abundantly bigger, greater than we could ever imagine greater than the trials of this life. Is your soul awake to that? Are we awake to that? Let's go after the Lord again this year. Let's long for more of him and his ways, more of his presence, 
more of the abundance that he has for us as individuals and as a church. We're going to worship the Lord in song. We're going to respond. If I can invite the worship team forward. I'm going to use some of these verses as a response just as we prepare to sing. So why don't we stand together? Let's stand together as a church. Let's bring our longing hearts before the Lord. And maybe, um, maybe as you hear what God is speaking through these verses, maybe in your heart, you're the kind of, you're the kind of stage in life where you feel your heart is, has grown dry and cold. For whatever reason, maybe there's a dryness and a coldness that has crept in. And so with the poet, with the psalmist, we pray, deal bountifully with me, Lord. Be good to me, God. Pour out your abundance upon me again. I'm coming back to the source. My heart is cold. My heart is dry. If you really are the fount of every blessing, God, be abundant to me. Pour out your goodness that I may live and keep your word. Maybe you realize that you're not seeing the beauty in God's word that the eyes of your heart have maybe closed or are half closed. Maybe you haven't felt like you've seen the beauty of God's word in a while and all that's in there for you. And so with the poet, we pray, open the eyes of my heart, God, that I might see the wonderful things that you have done. Open my eyes to the wonder of who you are. Perhaps you're under attack. Anybody in the room under attack? from other people in your life, you feel like you're being slandered. Maybe for your stand, your faithful stand for the Lord. Maybe you're getting a really hard time from people, but with the poet, with the psalmist, we pray, remove from me their scorn and contempt, Lord, for I desire to keep your statutes. Perhaps you're struggling to find joy in the Lord. Maybe that's your struggle. But with the poet, we pray, your testimonies, God, your promises are my delight. They're my delight. Delight my heart once again. Maybe you feel like a stranger and an alien here on earth. You know what? That's okay. I feel like a stranger and alien every day. With the poet, we pray, God, my soul is consumed with longing. Longing to hear from heaven. I want to hear the voice of my Father from my heavenly home. God, speak to me. I long to hear the voice of God from heaven. Refresh my soul in that. I heard of a man who told um, the late 19th century, early 20th century British evangelist Rodney Gypsy Smith. He told him that even though he had received no inspiration he had received no inspiration from the Bible, even though he had gone through the Bible several times, to which Smith responded, let it go through you once and then you'll tell a different story. So Heavenly Father, as we stand in your presence, as your people, aliens, strangers here on this earth, we long to hear from heaven. We long to encounter the presence of the God who made us, loves us, has a purpose for our lives. God, in this moment, we pray that your word, your presence would be the delight of our hearts. 
God, we pray that in this moment, even right now, deep within us, by your Spirit, you would warm us up deep within. Warm our hearts, Spirit of God. May the promises, the statutes, the testimonies of God come alive deep within us. May your word be our delight. And God, even this morning, as we've gone through some verses from your word, we pray more than that, that your word would go right through us. God, penetrate every heart, every head bowed before you right now. Let your word go right through us. And may the response be surrender and worship and utter delight. So come, O oh God, we pray, by your Spirit right now as we respond in song, may our hearts be lifted in delight of who you are. Come and be glorified as we worship you in response. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.